the blast from our past network. Hello and welcome to the Blast from Our Past podcast. We're the podcast that gives you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, and a whole lot more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. I'm Adam. I'm John. And I'm Marcus, bitches. Woo! <laughs> That's right. We have got Marcus Ellis in the house. Uh, y'all might have heard his voice on the throwback trivia takedown. Actually, I'm not sure if that episode has come out. It's going to come out by the time this one comes out. It will. Actually, it'll be pretty close. Yeah, maybe it is by that time. Um, so... If you guys, I'm assuming every person listens to Throwback Trivia because you should. It's an awesome podcast. But you should also be listening to the Benchwarmers podcast because that's where we first heard of this guy, Marcus, when I was a guest on there. But, Marcus, please tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I'm Marcus Ellis. I live in Everett, Washington, which is about 20 minutes north of Seattle. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm very excited about coming on today because normally on our Benchwarmers show, it's all sports all the time. And I do love sports. But I also like nerdy shit, and I'm glad to be able to come on here and talk nerdy shit with you guys because I have enjoyed uh, going through your backlog and uh, listening. So excited to be here. Yes, uh, and I'm excited that you can curse on this episode because you've already taken use out of it already. Um, because <laughs> on our on our throwback trivia, we asked everybody to not because that's our clean cast. Uh, but this one, let it fly, man. I let can't wait. Perfect. So, yes, even in uh, the pictures behind you, I see uh, nerdiness, nerdy, nerdism all around. There's uh, DC stuff. There's all all this kind of stuff. And you're a all around kind of comics fan and, 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 and just nerd person. And so we're trying to think of what to do. And so we're like, you know what? Let's do a full gamut. So today we are going to be doing a full breakdown of the 1998 film Blade. We are going to do a review of the DC animated show Justice League and slash Justice League Unlimited. For me, I kind of they're they're all the same. And then we're going to do a casting of the Vertigo, which is owned by DC, but the Vertigo property, the Losers. We're going to be casting the those six characters from there. So yeah, that is uh, the different stuff that we've got. Uh, we'll kind of go into each of those things as to why those are nostalgic for you in each of those sections. Uh, but for now, John. 1998, that's a solid year, Yeah, really fun year, a lot of great stuff happening. Could you please take us back to 1998? All right, so the movie came out on August 21st of 1998. Uh, on a personal note, this probably would have been around the time that I was starting my senior year of high school. Uh, the Billboard Top 100 single for that, uh, for that week was in the middle of a 13-week run, and that was The Boy Is Mine by Brandy and Monica. Yes. Oh, my God. What a great song. Yeah, it's way better than song. The Girl Is Mine. Yeah, yes, it is. <laughs> Infinitely <hate> better. <laughs> yeah, I love. Uh, we all love Michael Jackson and and um, Paul McCartney. He's OK, too. But you're right. That is, they, that is like the, the worst song in both of their entire catalogs. Yeah, it's absolute <laughs> trash. But but The Boy Is Mine. So much fun. I do remember it like just dominating like the pop oh, airwaves. God, it was from, everywhere. Yeah. Yep. Uh, topping the Nielsen ratings, there's no surprise, uh, was uh, Adam's favorite show, Seinfeld. Woo! That's right. I mean, this is the last season, probably nearing the end right around then. 
Mm-hmm. The New York Times bestseller for that week was a book called Rainbow Six by Tom Clancy. Know the video game? And concurrently, on this exact same day, the day that Blade was released, they also released the video game Rainbow Six. Oh. Originally released just for Windows. Okay. Gotcha. Very, very cool. And since we're doing uh, kind of a comic booky show, uh, this year, Marvel offered Sony the movie rights to all of its characters for $25 million. Sony only took Spider-Man for $10 million. And I'm sure they are kicking themselves. Yes. Twenty-five oh. million or ten million for just the Spider-Man. That oh my god. Oh man, <laughs> I'm kind of glad. Yeah, yes. you know what? I kind of am too. <laughs> Things have turned out for the best. I mean, granted, the Spider-Man movies have mostly been decent, yes, um, majority-wise. But yeah, we wouldn't have had the MCU. So thank goodness. All right. Well, Marvel movies. Blade, one of the earlier ones before the MCU. We are getting a different Blade coming up, so I'm excited that we're going to be, um, you know, talking about this original. For a lot of people, it's only Wesley Snipes. Uh, so let's let's get talking Blade. All right, Blade 1998, directed by Stephen Norrington. The only other credit that I really recognize that he's only directed like four films and one of them was uh, The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, which is I I was about to say not as bad as people say, but it's not good. Yeah, it's 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 doesn't deserve the the shit that it gets, but it's not a good it's not a great movie. I think that movie is a great movie to just put on if you need to kind of zone out and chill, maybe maybe drink a little bit yeah it's yeah. it's fun but if you look at it any deeper than that uh, mm-hmm. you're gonna be disappointed I, isn't it the movie that that forced sean connery to stop acting because he was just, <laughs> he was just done with acting after that i think maybe i mean it was it is his last credited role yeah, yeah. so uh blade was written by david s goyer who is a fantastic writer a couple of these credits specifically like comic book movie credits uh, but also he did Dark City, which a lot of people like. I don't know a big fan of that one, but he also wrote Blade 2, Blade Trinity, uh, did the story and the writing for Batman Begins, The Dark Knight, The Dark Knight Rises, Man of Steel, Batman vs. Superman. And he also uh, wrote Nick Fury, that David Hasselhoff version. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> he could have left that off. I'd be like, uh, well, you can just delete that. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, come on. The Dark Knight or Nick Fury with David Hasselhoff. Um, I'm not sure which one's better. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, he also did direct Blade Trinity. David Goyer did. Uh, and then a lot of people I know not not the best uh, in the group, but what might be the best in the group is Blade 2. Uh, I think that's my favorite. And that was directed by Guillermo del Toro. So that's probably partly why it's so freaking good. Yep. So, uh, music in Blade was done by Mark Isham. Uh, he has done things like Crash, uh, 42, the Jackie Robinson story, uh, The Majestic, Varsity Blues. Love that movie. I'm not sure I remember the music that much, but I remember a whipped cream bikini, uh, and he was part of that somehow with the music. Um, he did Nell, Quiz Show, River Runs Through It, Point Break, lots of stuff. Also, John, you mentioned you saw A Dog's Journey. His, uh, this guy did the music for that one. Because your, your daughter watched that one, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. She yeah. drug me to all the A Dog's something films. Yes. There's like two or three of them. <laughs> all right. And uh, the cast for this film, Blade, is played by Wesley Snipes. Of course, like he embodied this character. 
most people should know Wesley Snipes from Major League, Major League Two, or demo. Uh, he wasn't in Major League Two. Sorry, he was just in Major League. The second one was um, some knockoff. Omar. Omar yeah, Epps. Omar Epps. Yeah, yeah. some knockoff Wesley Snipes. Uh, <laughs> Demolition Man, White Man Can't Jump. He's been in tons of stuff. Wesley Snipes is awesome. Deacon Frost was played by Stephen Dorff. And when I was looking through his credits, I always thought Stephen Dorff was bigger than this. But I looked through his shit and I'm just like, okay, he was in the most recent like True Detective season, I think, with Herschela Ali. Mm-hmm. But besides that, I'm like, fuck, I only really know Stephen Dorff from Blade. Yeah, I only know him from this and that one um, the Aerosmith yeah. <laughs> video, music video. Yeah, that's well, it. So I know him as a kid actor. I can't remember the name of the uh, movie. It was an old horror movie that was actually pretty good. I got to hold on. But yeah, this was like his this was his big thing. But I just <laughs> I thought he was kind of like a, a popular kind of, you know, it guy, uh, you know, like the ladies liked him. But maybe it's yeah, it must have been just from Blade and that Aerosmith music video. <laughs> the Gate. The gate is the what the movie's called. And okay. It's about these kids and they accidentally open a gateway to hell. It's pretty. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sounds, so solid. sounds decent. Yeah. Uh, Whistler is played by Chris Christopherson. John and I talked about him when we talked the movie Lone Star, independent film that not a lot of people know about, but you guys should check it out. He's also well known for his country music and just everything. He's kind of an overall badass. Karen is played by, how do we pronounce it? In Bush, in Bush Wright. Uh, um, I do not exactly positive on that but she was in dead presidents actually i kind of remember her best from that film um not too much other stuff uh very kind of few credits from her quinn is played by donald logue who uh he had a long thing in uh, gotham uh, but i actually remember him from the short-lived sitcom that he had called grounded for life that he was kind of the main star in that one uh he was good in that always He's a funny definitely a guy who i've seen around yeah <laughs> one of those faces like character actor who pops up on a bunch of stuff how could you forget his wonderful turn as uh johnny blaze's best friend in the uh, ghost rider oh yeah i think well. i purposely tried to forget <laughs> yeah <laughs> what come on it's a yeah. classic yeah classic our definition of classic might be different <laughs> so all right so before we get into our scene by scene breakdown marcus why are we talking blade like why was this an important film for you as to why you wanted to discuss it nostalgically So funny enough, the other day I finally watched the last blockbuster and I was kind of thinking about this question and I was going to attack it a couple different ways. But what I really remembered is when they're they're talking about, you know, going into the video store. This is one of the first ones I remember going in and my dad said, you can pick whatever you want. And I've always loved vampire movies. I like them. And at the time, I didn't know that Blade was a Marvel property. And I just saw it, and I saw Wesley Snipes on the cover with the sword, and I was like, oh, yeah, 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 I want that. (laughs) And I rented it, and nobody else wanted to watch it with me and my family, so I just watched this movie by myself. Probably not great, because I was like 10 or 11, (laughs) but I love this movie. It's the action of it, and then the fact that later on I get to go back and go, oh, it's a Marvel property, and go through all of it. It's a great movie. It's, It's, like you said, Wesley Snipes embodies the character. And it was very clear that this movie was expected to kind of be a one off. And I love that it, you know, it ended up spawning more. And yeah, now here we are and we're about to get another one. So, yep. uh, yeah, I just love this movie. It brings me back to that time going to the video store, that type of thing, and just enjoying something so thoroughly. And I was sucked into that world. So that's very cool. Uh, John, what do you remember about uh, kind of when Blade came out and, and your, um, you know, intrigue into it? 
You know, I don't remember being sucked in to see Blade because uh, I do not remember going to see it in the theater. It is possible that I did, but I definitely remember watching it later, probably in college. So it would have probably been a couple of years after this movie came out. Um, probably some friend showed it to me on VHS. And then I really did start to enjoy Blade. And I think I went and saw Blade 2 in the theater when that one came out and Blade Trinity as well. So it was it was something that took me a little time to get into. But once I did, I loved it. Yeah. And I was actually probably pretty similar because um, I was about 13 when this movie came out or 12 when this came out. So, you know, for a, for an R, you know, probably not one that I saw in the theater, but I saw it either maybe on TNT a couple years later or whenever I did get a little bit older and, and ended up seeing it. But like I remember really digging the character obviously i was i was first introduced to blade as a character probably through the spider-man animated series he was a character who popped in for like a three two or three story arc i think with the morbius yeah. character as well and so i always liked the character from that and so when i whenever i saw this i know i dug it and then i really loved uh, blade 2 potentially seeing that one in the theater um, i actually met the the villain luke goss who was the villain from blade 2 um he was in a movie that i worked on when i was back in la super nice dude awesome guy mm -hmm. but yeah and so like it was impossible not to appreciate and then i remember when blade 3 came out i did see that in the theater and it was like okay sweet ryan reynolds is basically playing deadpool before he's actually playing deadpool and um that was a character that i, I appreciated and so it was like Wow, he would play a good Deadpool. And then now he is fucking the embodiment of Deadpool as well. So I <laughs> uh, got to appreciate that. And I appreciated Jessica Biel in uh, Blade Trinity as well, but for other reasons. Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> yes. Um, one more thing. And the other thing, too, is like, especially it's get, it's gotten better for sure. But um, to see a Marvel character, a black character, a lead mm -hmm. character is mm -hmm. to me super important. And we'll get into it later. But uh, <clears throat> DC, please uh, give us Jon Stewart. But anyway, yes, yes, that's exactly what I've been trying to push as well. We I, oh I want Jon Stewart. But yeah, uh, we'll, we'll we'll save yeah. that for that discussion. Yeah, um, I actually but, have something to say on that matter for once, because yeah. I don't really ever have anything to say about Green Lantern. But we'll talk about that then. Yes. Yeah, so. All right. We're going to start the movie and we kick it off with um, kind of a flashback back in 1967. We see a woman who was obviously bit by a vampire in a hospital uh, and they have to end up delivering the baby. Uh, so we assume that she is that She died in childbirth, but the baby survived and we transition to today. We see uh, a woman takes a guy to like this hidden club, some bumping techno music. I'm like, hell yeah, this is going to be good times. Um, reminds me of when I was on ecstasy having a good time with uh, a buddy of mine. <laughs> Never mind. I am not admitting to anything. Uh, but I've had some some enjoyable times at some techno bars, I'm not going to lie. Uh, we see Deacon Frost very quickly. Uh, the guy notices something kind of dripping on him. And then it's a whole fucking shower of blood. The, the, every, the vampires reveal themselves. Like, this is... This is what like late 90s, early 2000s, like, you know, techno culture, like the the Matrix style, uh, all that kind of look was really cool. And this is what like vampires of the day, I think, would have totally been doing. They would have been rolling on E. They would have been, you know, sucking down people <laughs> at this big techno party. And what is what is ultimately badass is the reveal of Blade here, where that guy who was obviously brought to the party one of the few humans there. I thought, yeah, they, I I was, thought it was going to be a feeding frenzy. I thought, I don't know. I was like, this seems like an elaborate plan to trap one guy. And there's like 50 <laughs> vampires. I'm like, this, yeah. this doesn't seem like there's going to be enough to go around. By the way, that, that woman who lures him into the place, do you know who that was? Didn't ring a bell. No. Uh, that is Tracy Lords. 
Oh, the, the porn actress. Yes. Uh, <laughs> okay. Infamous porn actress. Yeah. Okay. Huh. So, um, yeah. But anyway, so this one guy, seemingly the only human here, lands at the feet of Blade. And we do get like just this badass kind of uh, this pull up and we see Blade in action, the Daywalker, and he just unleashes in here. And that is that is one thing that just this movie does a great job on, which is some of its action stuff like and making making Wesley Snipes just I mean, God. Yeah, it's the first time we see him. He just kicks the shit out of everybody. And I'm like, that's what I want. It's what I want in my heroes. I want to see them right off the bat, just kicking the absolute shit out of everybody. (laughs) Exactly. And we see like there there are some perfect like trailer moments where uh, in this early spot, he pulls out his sword and it's just like, fuck. When he like drags it across the floor, I think at this point, like he does. He does the thing that you're just like, oh, my God, I'm popping a boner. And it's not for I'm excited sexually. I'm just that excited in general. <laughs> um, my favorite he, part of this whole part was the uh, the fist pump. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Overexcited fist pump. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I like how they casually also like as Blade starts to get into it. Uh, Donald Logue's character is just getting a BJ on the couch. <laughs> yeah. Just randomly. <laughs> And he's like, oh, get off of me. I gotta go fight Blade. <laughs> like, he's wearing leather pants. I'm pretty sure that would have been an awkward fight. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's not that's not good for um, you know, your range of motion, uh, proper leather pants or anything no. like that. <laughs> so So yeah. Uh, you know, yes, Blade fights Quinn, uh, eventually ends up stopping him, sets him ablaze as well, puts him on fire. Like, yes, Quinn gets gets his ass fucked pretty <laughs> pretty intensely. Constantly. Yes, Donald Logue should win an Oscar for this movie. <laughs> he was unbelievable. He's so funny and so yeah. over the top. He's he's chewing up scenes when he's in them. A very enjoyable sidekick, exactly. Mm-hmm. Not not um, not believable as like a main guy, but like definitely kind of like a not quite bumbling because he gets the job done for a lot of the times. But he is uh, he's very fun. he's more that chirpy. He's like that chirpy like yeah yeah you know, get it. Yeah, you know exactly. that kind of guy. He's a vampire I want to have a beer with. I'm not going to lie. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. Uh, so the cops end up coming in, and Blade leaves the corner. And the, ends up pulling the charred body of Quinn, and you know they're all kind of confused about different you know blood levels or things like things in the body that don't seem very normal. So they start examining it. But Quinn, being a vampire, comes back to life and sucks the neck out of one of the doctors. Uh, one of the dudes who actually we will see again later. Um, and he's, you know, heading towards the the female Karen. But then in comes Blade. Cops eventually come in from that and start shooting. I do love when the, the, we got our first motherfucker right here. He turns, turns <laughs> to the cops. Motherfucker, are you out of your damn mind? Motherfucker, are you out of your damn mind? <laughs> like, I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, because when I think marvel property i think pg-13 so i completely yes. forgot that this was r up until that motherfucker came out yeah it's it's and it, yeah you're right it comes out of nowhere and it's the cops and he's like i'm trying to save you bitch like yeah. what are you doing and then you just turn around motherfucker are you out of your damn mind and it's like oh shit and then he beats their ass yeah <laughs> um he sees that this woman karen was partially sucked um by quinn and so he takes her and escapes I found it particularly strange. Now, maybe maybe I'll tie it into it must be because the vampires own the police and maybe that's part of it right here. But like he grabbed Karen 
who at this point, to the cop's knowledge, is a hostage, yeah. and he's running with her, and the cops are just firing at him. It's like, well, you didn't know. They wouldn't do that because they might hit the hostage. Like, that, they just felt like bad police procedures. My wife was yelling the same thing at the at the TV <laughs> at <Yeah>. the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they're like, oh, nope, this guy attacked us. Fuck that guy. Yeah. <laughs> we hit her, it's fine. Sorry, yeah. lady. Yep. All right. Uh, so he takes her to his hideout where we meet Whistler, who, of course, the hardened, gristled vet who was uh, trained blade and everything. Um, he, you know, he doesn't approve of having her there, uh, but they end up injecting her because she's kind of partway into this transformation to try and stop it with like this, uh, you know, basically liquid garlic or whatever into, into her. So this this science of how they're coming up, this this science throughout this movie makes no sense. And yeah. I'm here for it. Yeah, but. <laughs> They're just like, oh, yeah, it's like essence of garlic or some shit that he said. And I'm like, you just inject it into her partway through the transformation. And it's just like fucking fingers crossed. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, it might work. It might not. I don't know. Here you go. Um, we see Deacon Frost enters a meeting with a bunch of like old vampires, a uh, bunch of old white dudes. Uh, well, actually, they're not all white. There's a bunch of some Asian. Actually, there's 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 a lot of diversity in the um, old vampire community actually thinking about it. Yeah, so. and and they're all very that, but they're but there's definitely racist overtones. It's not racist, but like they're like, hey, if you're not a pure blood, you, you're a piece mm-hmm. of shit. Exactly. <laughs> it, it, it reminded I me mean, just even though it came out afterwards, it reminded me of the whole fucking uh, like the Voldemort. The, you got to be, you can't have like the mud bloods. You got to be the pure magic people. Very similar <laughs> kind of thing. So. I have to say this this part bothered me. This when we first meet the council, because if the council really was as powerful as they you know appear to be. Uh, if he actually came, you know, if Deacon Frost came in and talked to them the way he talks to them in this, he never would have made it out of the room alive. They would have just killed. Yeah, right you're there. right. He just he constantly with with these guys. He's just like, fuck you. You guys yeah. are lame. I'm doing going to do whatever I want. And these people are just like, yeah, but, um, you know, you probably shouldn't. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> I mean, it's clear he's going to be trouble. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he he wants to rule the humans and not hide in kind of you know fear of of, of what they've been doing. The only way that the these you know pure blood vampires know, you know, and he's yeah exactly. We see all this whole hatred for the non pure bloods, uh, for the people who changed. How did he even get on the goddamn council? Like I am kind of curious as to like how he came to the rise and then yeah. Well, he I don't just... think he was on the council. They summoned him to the council. Oh okay. To talk to him. Well then yeah yeah I mean they they're. Really was yeah. Who's who's who has their back? Like, what is their power? Like, did they was there not like some army that they had to fight the right. other? I don't know. It was, but <laughs> doesn't matter. Deacon Frost. It just sets up that Deacon Frost is, I guess, manipulative and badass enough in his own right. So we see um, Blade has to get these serum injections to kind of hide the issues of his partial vampirism, um, and it seems to end up. You know, he's got a he's building up a tolerance for them as well. So there's just little setups that, OK, shit, he's, um, you know, he that's why he has some of his special powers and whatnot. But it's also he's got some issues he has to deal with. So um, Karen looks around the hideout and notices this. Is, I, I'm going to have a problem with this. This thing. Yep. No, nope, I know exactly what you're going to say. The, the katana that he has <laughs> that has its own little like, you know, defense mechanism. And she notices that, you know, oh, shit, it, it came out and, and, and it, uh, you know, would, would hurt your hand. And we'll see that in little bits when they want to show it. Otherwise, there are other times people hold the fucking katana for like 10 minutes at a time and nothing 
no 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 defense happens. Like it is the, one of the most inconsistent pieces <laughs> of defense in this entire fucking film. Yeah, why the fuck would it Okay, first of all, what triggers it? Because we yeah. don't know. Because it's just like you if if this person happens to touch this, he's literally planning on somebody picking it up and going, "Oh, what the fuck is this little thing? This <laughs> <Yeah>. button?" <laughs> ah! yeah. Like, wait, why? Yeah. <laughs> that seems like you could do that on accident. Yes, like my interpretation was if anybody uses it but Blade, it will do this thing and, and it'll slice off, you know, it'll it'll have a, this defense that can attack it. But we specifically see multiple people holding his swords throughout the movie and only when it's convenient for the plot does it actually come <laughs> out. Other times it stays in and I, I really didn't like that. But yeah, <laughs> so... Blade uh, takes his serum. We see it's kind of rough on him. Uh, I do love that uh, right at, right afterwards, uh, Karen's asking, like, you know, what the fuck is going on? Like, all this kind of shit. And we see he, uh, it's just a cut here that I really appreciate where you see him, like, struggling with the serum. And she's kind of asking what's going on. And then we just cut to him and he's back to normal badass. Like, there are, there's just <laughs> some fun, the way he stands and the way he presents himself is so intimidating throughout the entire film. They uh, explain the whole world of vampires to her, uh, Whistler and Blade just kind of getting her up to speed. Uh, he gets a new weapon. That's kind of Whistler's kind of his weapons guy. And he gets this new UV light from uh, from Whistler, basically a flashlight that ends up you can hurt people, <laughs> hurt vampires with. So uh, he ends up giving her vampire mace as well and basically sends her on her way. But um, Whistler gives her some advice. And I do like he's, you know, Whistler... Just to emphasize how hardened he is, basically he's like, One other thing. Buy yourself a gun. You start getting sensitive to daylight. You find you're thirsty, regardless of how much you had to drink. And I suggest you take that gun and use it on yourself. Fucking shoot yourself in the head. Save us the trouble. And yeah. I'm just like, that's pretty, it's pretty fucking <laughs> hardcore. Yeah, and the way he describes it in that scene, it's just very like, ugh, I gave you the, it gives you the chills because he's like, mm -hmm. you feel like you can't, you drink as much as you can and you're still thirsty. I was like, oh, God, <laughs> all right. <laughs> yeah, uh, we see that Deacon is working on trying to translate some kind of ancient vampire language, some uh, some ancient uh, piece of literature, a tome or something that they he's, you know, just trying to. Fulfill some kind of prophecy. We're just trying to get bits of that. Um, and just further relationships between him and the pure bloods are going bad. Just kind of quick scenes of that. Slap like the that. shit out of him in that scene. Yeah. <laughs> Slaps the absolute <laughs> shit out of him. I was like, oh, damn. I forgot about that. Yeah. And then you can see it on Steven Dorff's face. You're like, oh, yeah, he's that guy's dead, probably. Yeah. <laughs> you, just, you just look at it. You're like, all right. Well. Uh, and I, God, I hate that fucking scene. Uh, we'll get there. I oh. fucking hate that. Yeah, that sunblock. God damn it. All right. Um, Blade Blade drops off Karen and uh, she notices some people with uh, some tattoos on their back of their neck in her elevator. Uh, she's a bit freaked out and getting ready. But when she gets there, there's a cop in her apartment. Also kind of strange. It's not how cops work. She should know that immediately. Uh, eventually, he tries to kill her and Blade comes in. Um, you know, protects her. We find out he's not a vampire. He's a wannabe. I can't even remember what the, the familiar was familiar. Okay. Yeah. Whoops his ass all over her apartment. <laughs> Just yes. fucking breaks everything. 
She's like, she even goes, is that really necessary? Because he's just smashing all her shit with this guy's face. Yeah. Which, like, which I noted. And then I was in my head. I was like, but you're leaving. What do you care? Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah that's true. But man, uh, that was funny to me that yeah. she even as a character points it out. She's like, what are you doing? Yeah. Destroying my fucking apartment. Yeah. So, uh, but Blade basically just kind of used her as bait to, because he knew they would, the vampires would be coming after her. Uh, I, I find I also got a little bit that Karen, in general, Karen can't handle the the harsh tactics of Blade. I think you know she's she's a little bit still a little too human or a little too um, pacifist towards Blade, and I think that kind of it, it works well on their you know that they they can't see eye to eye on some things, but uh, eventually lets this uh, this guy escape. Uh, this guy that he ends up getting away. So Karen follows blade as they drive and they're trying to follow this dude, basically follow him to his boss. Some of the, just an editing technique technique. They have some things where they did some speed ramping here. Mm-hmm. I didn't care for it. It just, it just felt a little awkward with me, but that's again, that was a bit of the time. I think some of the, some of that late nineties, you get some techno music, you're going to have some kind of funky speed ramps. But not a big deal. That was just me complaining on an editorial side of it. Uh, so they get to a vampire safe house and Blade delivers, I think, maybe the best line in the entire movie where he is talking to Karen and he says, There are worse things out tonight than vampires. Like what? Like me. Oh, that's yes. bad. <laughs> not, and followed by another great line. When she's when, you know, they're walking up to the club and then he says, uh, OK, Vampire Anatomy 101, crosses and running water don't do dicks. So forget what you've seen in the movies. You use a snake, silver or sunlight crosses and holy water. Don't do dick. <laughs> <laughs> he just says that just deadpan. Don't yeah. do dick. He's like steaks, silver or it's your ass. Yeah. And I was like, damn. <laughs> All right, let's go. I'm ready. Very true. So he then uh, schools her a little bit on on vampires. Um, a good a good edit here that I like is um, you know he goes up to this uh, this area where they're they're a little safe house and the guy's basically asking, oh, do you have it? He says, do you have an invitation? Um, and then we cut to the bouncer being busted ass through the door. <laughs> like I yes. love those kind of cuts where you just like it's it's set up and then pay off. I don't need to see Blade do the punch. I right. need, I see the reaction on the other side. And it's just like, oh, fuck. You you just you kind of put that together through your head. It, it comes across, honestly, even bigger and better because of it. Mm-hmm. Although you think at this point they'd be able to recognize Blade instantly, <laughs> especially with the so. sword sticking out of his back. Sword sticking, <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. He's got he's wearing a um, full body armor suit. Yeah, the swords, sunglasses at night. Yeah. Takes them off to beat his ass, too. He takes yeah. them off, too. He's like, my invitation. Oh, yeah. Take these off. Bam. So, yeah, Blade kicks kicks the ass of everybody. Again, the cop wannabe, uh, he kicks his ass some more. And then, uh, and then that guy does eventually give him the entrance, um, like a secret entrance there, which is an archive. All these kind of old, well, not old, it's, it's the high tech, but, uh, you know, just uh, vampire archives of, of their history and et cetera, et cetera. So Frost gets the translation complete. We see a quick scene of that. And the cop guy warns Frost about Blade. So uh, Frost ends up drinking his neck and kills him. Because fuck that guy. He's just a little worthless dude. And Frost decides that he wants to get Blade alive. Which I do like um, Quinn's response. He's like, you fucking kidding me? Alive? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. 
Look what he did to yeah. me. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Cut off my fucking hand. <laughs> yeah. So, which won't be the first time. <laughs> no, no, it's not. <laughs> so, uh, in the archive, they find this horrendously fat <laughs> vampire named Pearl. I never cared for Pearl, only because the, the voice is strange. And when they get to the, the UV torture section, so yeah, they blade and, and Karen torture Pearl with that UV lamp. The scream and, and the sound that you're getting, I just... Ugh, and the it's you can hear like the crackling yeah. flesh. It's just... <laughs> yeah. <No. laughs> Very Pearl, gross. Very gross. <laughs> Uh, Pearl does eventually tell them about this prophecy uh, that Deacon Frost is trying to do, which is basically bring the blood god then um, just have the ability to turn everybody into vampires or all this kind of stuff, which I find a strange thing to want to do. When you ha- turn everybody, into, it was like you can turn vamp- people into vampires o- on site or something, like just by looking at them or some shit like that. I was like, but as a vampire, you need fucking people. You need your food source. So why the hell do you want to turn everybody into vampires? Yeah, Deacon Frost is kind of an asshole in a second sense because, you know, the reason that they hide in the shadows and do all this is to keep their food source going. They, like, want everybody to keep reproducing so they constantly have food. And he's like, no, fuck that. I'm turning everybody (laughs) into vampires, and it's going to be us ruling. It's like, okay, cool, dude. (laughs) Yeah. Karen ends up... uh, going a little bit too extra hard on the UV lamp and I assume kills the uh, the fat fuck uh, Pearl at the end of it. <laughs> Just kind of funny, though, because even Blade was a little shocked. But Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he so. told her, he goes, fry him. And then she just unloads on him and she, he goes, well, he moved. Yeah. <laughs> Jiggled, probably, more than yeah. moved. But Ugh, God. Right. So uh, they then find these old writings of the vampires. Uh, they also find a child. Uh, in this like old in this room, um, <laughs> strangely, I and then should have been a, should have been a tip off. Yeah, a kid wandering around this vampire library. <laughs> yeah, it was just kind of a weird little thing because then in comes Quinn and others, and I also I do love though because this kid is a vampire. I love that he just beats the punches the shit out of that kid vampire. <laughs> yes, <laughs> just a brutal backhand, just bang. Well, because that's also why you know it's a fucking R. Because like in like a PG thirteen or PG, they're not gonna punch a kid like that, and they just like straight up, bam. <laughs> so I don't know. Always kind of funny. Uh, you know, I like it was like uh, what was it? One of the few enjoyable things of um, Captain Marvel, which I didn't think was a very good movie, was when Captain Marvel beats up the scroll old lady. So funny. Yeah. I was like, I saw people like, why would they put that in the trailer? And I'm like, because I would watch Brie Larson punch old women all day. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So Blade beats up everybody, uh, but they do eventually capture him. Uh, they just kind of overwhelm him eventually. And one of them gets his gets his sword and is the setup slash payoff of the defense mechanism cutting off its hand, which he just kind of like, I mean, he's a vampire. He laughs it off creepily. Yeah, with his like tongue out, he's like fucking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, and what I didn't, it, what was funny is that Quinn, every time he gets his hand cut off, he's like freaking out about it. <laughs> this guy was just like, woo! Yeah. I mean, he grows it back, and he grows it back pretty damn fast too. So yeah. it's like you think you'd think it's not that big of a deal, but yeah, <laughs> Quinn uh, gets some revenge on Blade, where he jams a stake into his shoulder. 
pretty intensely, which would actually probably put you out of commission your shoulder for a bit. But well, Blade is a vampire. Blade's part vampire, so he can he can regenerate pretty quickly. And he's about to do the other. But then in comes Whistler with a gr- another great line. Catch you fuckers at a bad time. Catch you fuckers at a bad time. And he just <laughs> busts his ass through. <laughs> so amazing. Yeah. God, Chris Christopherson is awesome in this movie. He is, you know, when John and I mentioned him um, in the Lone Star film, he is so intimidating in that movie. And just um, he plays kind of like just this racist ass jerk of a sheriff in that one. And I mean, that's perfect for him. And here he's kind of pretty similar besides the racist part. He's just like a asshole old dude who's angry at everything. Yeah. Um, And he's just like, that's that's what he does. I don't know if he's limping around. Yes. He's just pissed off. He's just pissed (laughs) off about everything. And you can tell. And then, yeah, he drops that line is just awesome. Yeah. I'm not sure how much acting he does because that just seems like his character always (laughs) is just. (laughs) That's just Chris Christopherson. They're like, hey, just do you, buddy. Yeah, exactly. I'd like to see him in like a comedy or maybe like a kid's movie and see what see how he does that's be the real acting chops <laughs> so all right but whistler rescues them uh they try to escape by going into the subway tunnels quinn and blade have a little fight there quinn gets another arm cut off which is kind of funny uh and they escape when blade grabs uh, a passerby subway train and you know gets his arm pulled and he has to she has to Karen has to fix it, which uh, which is kind of a flip around because I think he did that to her earlier in the movie as well. So as they rest, he has, ends up having to take some of his serum and Whistler tells her the story about basically his story uh, about Blade and, you know, how he found him as a kid and that kind of stuff at Frost's Quinn complains. He's just he kind of he's kind of a whiny bitch at times, though, too. <laughs> he got got to find that quite funny. Uh, but Frost still wants Blade alive. And it's just gonna be gonna be tough to make this happen. So uh, we get close to dawn. Frost has that old pure vampire guy, and I've I've mentioned this one before, but I always thought this was a fucking awful scene where they put on sunscreen. They end up ripping out this this guy's teeth, and they let him die in the sun. And they kind of are covering themselves with long clothing, helmets. motorcycle helmets, exactly. But just just the fucking idea of sunscreen on a vampire. Are you? <laughs> fucking kidding me i i literally in my notes i went apparently suntan lotion leather and motorcycle helmets like why don't they just do this shit all the time yeah absolutely (laughs) just just be a biker gang (laughs) and ride around and kill everyone like that you you clearly solved it i mean i I know they just gave me an idea for a brand new movie (laughs) yeah (laughs) motorcycle gang vampires exactly 100% they could just walk into a place fully and then once they're inside uh, yeah, he, it's same kind of thing. It doesn't seem to bother them when they're on the indoors. So then they're fine. I don't just, just turn the turn the uh, turn the CEO of Banana Boat or whatever, and yeah. then you got a lifetime <laughs> supply of, of suntan lotion. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> never yeah. run out. They they've got Blade's got his utility belt. Theirs is just going to be all SPF. Fucking <laughs> exactly. Put it on. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that'd be what a great montage for them prepping <laughs> to get ready for to kill Blade in the day. <laughs> Man, uh, another thing I do want to mention is, you know, the the graphics of when they have this guy exploding um, it d- does not hold up to me <laughs> at all. Uh, there's quite a bit of the graphics that actually don't. I mean, it so yeah. much. Yeah, it's probably my one complaint about this series as a whole. I mean, Blade Trinity is a whole nother conversation, but <laughs> just the overarching is this was clearly meant to be a one off. And it's very apparent because 
the way vampires die change, the way the mm. rules change as they go. It's just like, and in this one, I'm like, man, this sunlight shit is rough because he just like melts and explodes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, takes like 30 seconds. I was like, oh my God. It's yeah. So unbelievable. Blade brings a piece of like an old vampire tome to Whistler uh, to kind of work out what uh, Deacon's trying to figure out. Uh, we also see Karen, who's a hematologist, takes a sample of Blade's blood, trying to heal him if uh, she can. And Whistler notices that Karen seems to be changing, that she is not the garlic infusion uh, has not worked completely. <laughs> I mean, take her to like a fucking, you know, Olive Garden and, you know, give her one of like the uh, <laughs> garlic Alfredo meals or something. See if she can handle that. And then that'll. Oh. heal her. I don't know. That's another thing I forgot to bring up. So when we first are introduced and she's like still like knocked out, mm -hmm. um, Whistler says to Blade, like, she's a hematologist. She's close to something. And it's like, I'm like, what do you mean? Close to what? She didn't even know that this whole world existed. Close to what? She yeah. she she should be get a Nobel Prize for this shit. Because yeah. she just <laughs> doing this in like a couple of days. I'm like, this is impressive. True. <laughs> so Blade sees uh, Deacon in the sunlight, another this time he's not even wearing a fucking helmet and he's just kind of like standing under a tree with the bunch of sunscreen on and that's it. It he, perfectly even less fine. coverage. Yeah. Perfectly fine. Perfectly fine. What are and we then doing? He takes his glasses off and you can see where the uh, sun the sunscreen stops. So like wouldn't his eyes yeah. <laughs> burn out? I noticed uh, there were bits on his arm that his jacket didn't go all the way down and he's his skin wasn't suntanned right. either. Like would that not what the fuck? <laughs> Come on guys, details. So um frost offers blade a truce uh but nope instead uh blade tries to kill him but it doesn't work he's got this little hostage and uh the kid almost almost died but blade ends up saving her i thought the weirdest thing about that was the entire time that like deacon has her and like almost tries to kill her and then i think she was like what almost hit by a bus or whatever it was and blade grabs her she didn't make a single fucking sound the entire time like not even like a whimper not even like a scream nothing i, I think they didn't well, i think they did their their budget wise they couldn't just, afford they don't they don't want to have to pay for a sag card exactly that's, <laughs> that's the thing is yeah if she talks then they're gonna have to pay for a sag card and she gets some tokens and shit like that and another great uh child violence thing he fucking throws her through like a hot dog cart yeah <laughs> and she goes flying through that thing yeah. that thing explodes i was like damn <laughs> yeah. he just doesn't give a shit about this kid so uh karen is working on a cure uh for blade uh, with whistler but uh in comes frost and his goons and they kick the shit out of whistler uh blade eventually gets there uh whistler has been tortured mm -hmm. he's near death he tells Blade that basically he's the chosen one about this whole prophecy kind of thing that uh, I think that Deacon's like, you know, needing him for. That's why he needs him alive. And then we get a badass death scene here, a, a dramatic scene where he basically says, I mean, this is his father figure, obviously. And he demands Blade's gun so we can finish him off. And he tells him fucking like basically walk the fuck away, turn around. You're not going to see this. And so he does. And we get we hear a bang and Whistler killed himself before he turns. Now walk away, you stupid son of a bitch. Walk the fuck away. Yeah, 
yeah, this uh, this caught me by surprise a little bit because like I've watched it plenty of times, but it's just every time it's like, damn, this is because uh, or a little bit earlier, you know, she asks about Whistler's cancer because he's coughing up a lung, and she goes, "You care about him, don't you?" And he said, "He makes the weapons, and I use them." And he tries to be emotionally detached, but you can tell when he pulls off the cloth over Whistler's face when he's all bloodied, you can see that shiver when he sees it yeah. and how. Yeah, it's a, it's a good scene. It's a, it actually brings some emotion to him because so far he's just been a fucking robot. True. This whole movie it was a yeah. good scene. Fun fact about that character. Um, I for some reason was under the impression that the character Whistler came from the comic books, hmm. um, which turns out was not the case. But it was also not created in this movie either. The character of Whistler comes from Spider-Man: The Animated Series. Oh, it was uh, the one episode that Blade appears in in that yeah. series. He has a guy named Whistler. Now he just looks like a generic white guy in the co- in the uh, yeah uh, in the uh, cartoon. And I think they I I like the idea of him being sort of the old grizzled guy yeah. a lot better here. Um, but I for some reason was always uh, under the impression that he had already come from the comics. And that's kind of interesting to hear that really he comes from that. And the CEO of Marvel at the time loved the character so much that they put them into the universe. Yeah. That's interesting because, like, I remember him from the show, and yeah, he's just like some generic white dude. And I assumed that they put him in there because he was from mm-hmm. the comics. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, yep. That's exact same for me, too. That's very yeah. cool. So, uh, Frost left Blade a message and tells him basically that he took Karen. And so now, uh, Blade does some prep. He makes some bullets, everything, you know, out of uh, some silver. He grabs this chemical that Karen showed us earlier that blows up vampires. Um, it's something because she's a hematologist and here's a thing. It it, it it interacts, blah, blah, blah. God, I'm not excited to talk about those graphics. <laughs> but at, at Deacon's place, uh, in comes Blade and uh, we see him using up those things pretty quickly. We see some vampires exploding. Yeah, those graphics. Do not hold up. They do not look good. And also, I just, I've never liked, well, Deacon aside, because, well, not Deacon aside, Deacon in particular, because that looks particularly bad, and I think it's just a not a fun way to go. You know, especially early on, if Blade needs to do some stealth, having people blow up is not a good way to kill people while you're trying to stealthfully get into a, an area. <laughs> that's, all, that's all I'll say on that, so. Yeah. Blade uh, does get to Deacon's room and he sees his mother, who we actually kind of got a hint of earlier um, where we see some some woman kind of coming out of his coffin who was uh, very partially dressed. But, yeah, he sees her. Apparently, he kept her alive as a vampire as opposed to killing her. So we also find out here that it was Deacon who <clears throat> bit her um, when she was pregnant. And so so almost Deacon's almost uh, Blade's daddy when you think about it. <laughs> he is, and yeah. I hate this part of the movie. I honestly do. <laughs> well, that's part with his mom. Yeah, go ahead, John. I would say the part about Deacon being the one who bites uh, his mom is actually comics accurate. Okay. Okay. But in the comics, his mother dies. She doesn't yeah. become a vampire. This that that whole scene is just very creepy and weird, and she's like almost kissing him on the lips like when they're <laughs> there, putting some, him in that there was something very oedipus about that whole yes. <laughs> it was it was uncomfortable i was like oh gosh can we get can we skip this <laughs> yeah yep so you know they end up taking um blade and and uh these other old vampires come to this ancient temple area they're gonna obviously be performing some kind of ritual um we see blade is also having issues he's in need of a serum they throw karen uh into as opposed to just like 
drinking her, bleeding her off right then and there. They throw her into a pit with the guy that she used to work with, uh, who's kind of changed into a half zombie, half vampire kind of guy. Um, but <laughs> it's strange. Very quickly, I don't know, they did that, I guess, for shock value that that guy's still around, but literally she is able to escape immediately. She just climbs up where she was thrown into. Yeah, and a, go ahead. We don't see him again after that, do we? No. Nope. Okay. No, and it was a casual throwaway line. They're just like, hey, sometimes the transformation doesn't take, and it's like, so wait, there's just like a whole subset of <laughs> yeah. vampires, zombie freaks out there just wandering around? <laughs> Apparently. So, yeah, so she kind of climbs up. Um, they then put Blade into this sacrificial tomb-like thing, which does look really cool. Ooh, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, Wesley Snipes looks good as, you know, kind of outlined to him perfectly. Um, and it starts bleeding him. And they end up putting the pure blood vampires in, like, a certain space. Uh, Karen is uh, able to release him before he's fully, like, bloodlet. Uh, but obviously his blood has already kind of gone through. Um, so Karen, because he's you know, been drained a good bit. She s- lets him drink some of her blood to restore himself. And he seems to enjoy it quite a bit almost a sexual <laughs> thing with, and yeah. there's always, there's always been that thing with vampires and drinking the blood as a sexual thing. I kind of immediately go back to interview with a vampire, which is probably my favorite vampire movie period. There's always, even in all the lore, there's always kind of, that's been a thing. So, um, well, there's that edit too, that they have where it like, mm-hmm. Like there's a couple of times where he like j- her head like yes snaps yeah. it and I'm like oh geez he's really he's getting in there <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yep so yeah he almost drinks too much um, but also simultaneously Frost has got himself into position and he's they're trying to release the blood god a drop of blood falls onto his head and then falls onto the other pure bloods and they end up turning there I do like the graphics of the spirits or whatever coming out of their mouths. I thought did look pretty fucking cool. Okay. I think it was cool concept. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's held up as well. Here, here's where I'm confused too. So I kind of, uh, I kind of have it on in the background just uh-huh. to, and that, that scene's actually happening right now, mm-hmm. but how they've like, they're like, Oh, we need the spirits of the 12. So they kill one. So now they're down to, they, uh, you know, magically had 13. And then You're what's right. her face? The blonde chick kills another one, like right before the ceremony. You're right. Doesn't that, <laughs> Isn't that, you know, not good for yeah, what's about to happen? Yeah. But apparently, yeah. I, I remember thinking about that when it happened. I was like, wait a minute. They had their, all their placements, and she just killed this dude before any of the, like, the, the sacrificial stuff is supposed to happen. But yeah, I guess it, it didn't. Yeah. <laughs> didn't ah. eh. 11, 12, 13. Fuck fucking it. who cares? <laughs> yep. So uh, we then also get a... Uh, uh, oh, yeah, lightning lightning comes in. Yeah, stri- strikes all that. Whatever. Anyway, uh, Blade and his mother have a little fight. And I, I guess they tried to make it a somewhat dramatic thing, you know, about him killing her. I mean, it's, it was good, though. He had he had to release her. So I appreciate that. It wasn't nearly as dramatic as Whistler's death. But, um, you know, he, he ended up killing her easy enough. And then so Frost has now become the blood god, which, you know, he has red eyes. That, that's about the only difference. He's Deacon Frost with red eyes. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, no. <laughs> Steven Dorf, no. Yeah. <laughs> Blade, uh, I like, so Quinn goes to attack Blade. So Blade's obviously making his way through everything. And we've seen Quinn multiple times get many different things lopped off. And then, so he's now going to come and attack Blade. And they don't fuck around with it. Like, it's a, yeah. literally, it's like a one smooth motion. Quinn's fucking dead. He, like, cuts his head off without yeah. without, without even a fucking, like, 
you know, I do like that because we don't we don't need to see them fight anymore. We've already seen that several times. Yeah. And I think it I think it makes it very clear and apparent that Blade at any time could have fucking killed Quinn. He basically yeah. did that yeah. because he enjoyed it. He was like, yeah. hey, <laughs> I took your arm because I could. And now yeah. you're fucking dead because I yeah. want you to be. And further, we get after he did that a music drop hits. And then he starts fighting his way through Frost and we get that sweet action, sweet music. Um, and it just setting it off by killing Quinn so quickly was just like, damn. And then the music comes and you're like, damn, it's fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Because Wesley Snipes, I mean, it's known now that guy, that guy, that guy fucking kicks ass and it's yeah. it's so smooth and everything he does and it's all quick. It reminds me of uh, I feel like they use that for like Batman Begins. A lot of that short, quick, like almost palm strikes and stuff like that. It's it, yep. I love that. Yep. So. I had one one issue with this fight scene. <laughs> and it's the one scene where like Blade and this other guy, they're like doing spin kicks, but they're like six <laughs> feet from each other. They're like nowhere near each other. And it's just like, what what is this accomplishing? <laughs> you know what it reminds me of? Speaking of uh, going back to uh, Adam doing uh, Mortal Kombat Annihilation, oh. the Raiden <laughs> fight scene with the fucking reptiles. When at one point uh, they're literally just doing spin. They're both spinning yeah. like six. Yeah, like multiple. Like, I know exactly what you're talking about. Oh, my God. Get that shit out of here. Stop it. <laughs> so uh, we see Karen uses the mace that Whistler gave her on the kind of the blonde female henchman. Uh, gets her blade ends up fighting uh, his way through and a, another sweet ass moment where he uh, he grabs his sword. He does like his his when he has his sword with him, like those are some of the best fight action or just like trailer moments like the mm-hmm. the ones that you just kind of have to be like sit back and appreciate. So um, he and Frost have a sword fight. And so they're I mean, OK, Which um, I don't know where he got the sword. In fact, yeah. my, in fact when it happened, my wife was like. Where the hell did the sword come yeah. from? <laughs> so, at, at at one point he cuts Deacon Frost in half, but because he's the blood god, he kind of comes back together. Uh, very great graphics. Not not great graphics. <laughs> not it's kind of this oozy blood graphic that kind of yes, not good. Um, and I do like it was kind of funny where he, when the blood god or Frost or whatever kind of does that. You cut to a tight on Blade's face and he mouths, what the the fuck? fuck? Yeah. (laughs) But it's just silent. So obviously (laughs) Frost has gotten the upper hand at this point. But then Blade eventually gets the vials from Karen. Uh, They kind of, you know, he throws his sword and knocks him, catches them. He catches them behind his back, doesn't he? Uh, Which is very cool. He sure does. (laughs) Yeah. And then he's throwing them into Frost. Frost does I I've oh my god I, I've I've when this cut happened and Frost does like a jump to attack uh Blade I I immediately remembered it and I was like oh my god this is the worst worst attack he so he does this jump where he puts his two hands up and he like does like a weird froggy leap and that's where Blade throws the things into it I'm like what kind of attacking jump is that it's, it's, ah! like, it's like a Dracula like blah yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh god and so now he's got all this you know chemical that makes him explode massively. Uh, the final one, though, pretty badass. Blade chucks it in the air and kicks it into his head. Um, so fucking awesome. That, oh, man. I mean, yes, that was badass. But then he does his whole blow-up thing, which the graphics look terrible, and the whole <laughs> blow-up thing just looked... I would have I would have liked it better if, 
you know, he kicked his sword through his head and that would have killed him or so. I don't know. The big blow up was kind of dumb, um, but he's whatever. He's the blood god. How can you kill him? A hematology chemical, whatever. Um, but yeah, so they've won the day and they've still got to do more. And we have a flash forward to Moscow. Blade is speaking in Russian, which honestly, he became even more badass because he was speaking in <laughs> Russian to me at that point. Uh, and we cut to credits with techno music because uh, he's obviously continuing his journey. But you're right, though, even though we see like there's the continue, it, it, it felt very well closed off. Like that was the end of the film and there we wasn't we weren't going to get any more. Um, yeah. And so that is Blade in a Nutshell. Uh, Marcus, let us know your overall from rewatching this film from like the last time. You know, what did you what did you get out of it? You know, how did it make you feel? Do you feel it held up, etc.? Yeah, I think graphics aside, because I feel like every time you, at least that I've listened to you guys talking, I mean, there are there are a lot of there are some instances where the graphics hold up but i mean in 1998 i guess they did the best they could but other than that this movie there's so much action there's some moment some heavy moments too it's just to me it's one of the best uh of the early marvel i mean well i and i'm including early mcu stuff because like obviously iron man is unbelievable but I think this movie just doesn't get the credit that it deserves for what it was and probably because, you know, they never talk about Blade because they kind of want to distance it because it's R. But I think this is an awesome movie. I loved watching it again. I'll watch it any It's one of those that if it's on, like if I'm flipping through channels and it's on, yeah, I'll stop by and watch Blade throw the officer dickweed around the apartment a little bit. You know what I mean? Like it's just it's just a good, good watch. And I agree with you. I think Blade 2 is the better movie. But I appreciate this for kind of kicking that off. And uh, yeah, I loved it. Yeah. All right. And John, what were your thoughts on rewatching Blade? So, yeah, largely, I I will say um, uh, Blade 2 is my favorite. Um, And I think it's rewatching this film. I think I realized it is because that one feels more rooted in science than the other two. um, Because, you know, it's, it's they're messing. It's with them messing with genetics. Mm-hmm. As opposed to like this mystical blood god or the weird Dracula shit in the third one. Oddly enough, though, this is the one I rewatched the least out of the three. Um, I have my own reasons for watching the third one, but uh, nothing to do with the bad writing. Okay, it this has is, to do with is, Jessica Biel. Yes. All right. Yes. And and, uh, and the Ryan Dracula kind of theme song by RZA. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Sorry. Um, but but the character of Blade is impeccably played through all three movies. I know we're just talking about this fourth one, but you cannot deny that Wesley Snipes is Blade. And I'm excited to see what Mahershala Ali does with the character. You know, we'll see. Probably for me, like, there'll be, you know, there are some people, I don't know why they would say this, but I know there are some people who are like, Tobey Maguire is my Spider-Man. I don't know why. You mean Um, mean when he played that character at 75 (laughs) years old? Yes, seventy-five-year-old Toby. Joe Manangelo played a high school kid. He yeah. looks like he's thirty-five. <laughs> he probably was thirty-five. <laughs> he probably was. Yeah, you're right. But but yeah. I will say, uh, actually, I love the first half of this movie. Everything that happens in the first half of this movie, I love. All the mystical stuff that kind of happens at the end loses me a bit. But it was a great introduction to the character, and I'm glad they kept going with it because I think it got it got briefly better, and. I was really happy to go back and rewatch it. I'll, I'll, I'll send it there. 
uh, both of y'all kind of already said everything I was going to say. It's not a perfect movie. It's got some issues, some graphic stuff, the inconsistency of the sword thing. I couldn't get past. Um, but <laughs> suntan lotion. Adam likes to focus like, on one thing and he won't let it go. The, the suntan lotion, though, too, John. That's the second thing. That oh, was yeah, yeah, yeah. that was that was bad. <laughs> Actually, awful. I didn't like Deacon Frost really at all as yeah. a villain. I yeah, I I agree with you. Because potentially he was great. I think a transfer, a better transformation into the blood god would have been cool. But yeah. like Stephen Dorff, though, the line delivery, the fuck flows so cleanly yeah. out of his mouth when he goes, listen, sister, we're the top of the fucking food chain. And I was like, damn, yeah, get it. Yes, but you're right. There was so much left on the table that I think he mm-hmm. could have been a more menacing villain instead of just, mm-hmm. you know, being Stephen Dorff. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, I would have liked to see more happen of him taking over from this whole vampire community where he kind of then becomes like this leader and like, you know, does a whole fucking army or something where he just kind of took him on and then he got red eyes. He killed them, got red eyes, and that was the end of it. Um, <laughs> and, and so, yeah, there there was left on the table. But all right. Rewatching it, though, it's a fun fucking movie. You guys have both said it, and it's correct. Wesley Snipes is a perfect blade. Excited to see what Marsha Ali does. But um the film, I enjoyed it. I will probably watch Blade 2 probably within the next like month or two just because I had a really good time watching this one. So uh, I'm really excited. Marcus, thank you very much for bringing up Blade back into our lives. Yeah. Any time. Any time. Uh, I'll, I'll even do Blade 2 or Blade Trinity because I've watched two, both of those probably more than anyone should. But <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's talk some Justice League next. Justice League, the animated series. It uh, first aired from 2001 to 2004 at two seasons of 52 episodes. Then it got rebranded to Justice League Unlimited from 2004, 2006. It was pretty much the exact same show with more characters um, that had three seasons of 39 episodes total. All of those were on Cartoon Network. So, Marcus, why are we talking Justice League? We are talking Justice League because you guys have hit so far all of the all of the biggies to me as far as animated series go. And I love those episodes, by the way. I could have talked about, you know, Batman, the animated series, X-Men, Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. I rewatched those just casually. Those are like comfort watches. Like, those I'll just good. throw them on because I have Disney Plus. I'll just throw on, you know, Spider-Man or something yeah. whenever I'm bored. But nobody talks about this show because it. I feel like it was just in this weird pocket of time and it was on Cartoon Network. But this show is awesome. I watched the original before it was rebranded, like as it was coming out, because I was probably eighth grade, ninth grade in 2001 when it first aired. And then when I got older and I bought the first two seasons, they were like, oh, this is Justice League Unlimited. And I watched that and I love that, too, because it's the same animation style as Batman, the animated series. But again, you get the whole scope of the DC universe. You get whether you want to or not, introduced to a bunch of characters, and they dig deep, especially yeah. in those unlimited seasons. Yes. <laughs> but but you get Batman. I mean, Batman's still prominently featured. You get Superman. You get The Flash. You get it all. And this is – I thought you could make a movie off of like some a ton of these storylines in this, and it would be infinitely better than what we got for the Justice League movie, obviously. <laughs> yeah. have, um, you watched, have you watched the Snyder Cut? I have. Okay. 
It's, I have not because I, I'm I'm not a Snyder supporter, so I didn't want to. I'll watch it eventually. I yeah. just didn't want to be part of the early watchers because I don't want I don't want him. I don't want to give him any extra. He's got plenty of oomph, but I just <laughs> I haven't liked any of his movies since Watchmen and 300. I'll I'll say this. I think it's stupid to, to ask Zack Snyder to make any movie that's less than four hours long because he <laughs> loves fucking slow motion so much. That could have been like a three hour movie. <laughs> But he loves slow motion so much. But it, it at least makes sense. That's good. You'll watch the you'll watch the Snyder Cut and you'll go, okay, that all connects and it makes sense. Okay. And then you can decide whether you still hate it or not. But I, okay. I can concur with that one because I did watch it. Okay. Yeah. So anyways, I just – I think there are so many good stories in here. And surprisingly, a lot of adult kind of slanted uh, yeah. stuff that happens in this show that I, that I appreciate because there isn't enough, I think uh, – well, at least I appreciate DC because I think their animated stuff that they do is infinitely better than anything they put into live action other than Batman mm-hmm. for the most part. This is another example of it. I think there's a lot of good stuff in here. So I really love this show. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, as you kind of mentioned, the same art style. Uh, this show was developed by Bruce Tim, who his style was the Batman animated series, the Superman animated Batman beyond and new Batman adventures all kind of like, um, are all in the same universe, which I think is partly why DC dominated animated series. I say after like the, the X-Men animated show and Spider-Man were kind of over DC killed it for years. And that's because at that time with their animated stuff, they knew how to let all this stuff be in the same universe. And guess what? People are like, you know, some people are like, well, why is Marvel, you know, they force everything into the same universe because comic book character, comic book readers like this shit. Like, I love that Justice League is in the same universe as Batman Beyond and the Batman animated series and all this kind of stuff. And we're getting these same voices, the same style. Yes. Um, it keeps us interested. And, and, you know, when they have like another side character, it's fun because you can you can pop in these people and then they can go off and do their own adventure and you might follow them off and they do that, you know, and also it's. You mentioned that they added so many other characters in the Unlimited show, and they did. Part of the reason is because they were having some trouble with the rights uh, to some of the characters. And so basically characters got more restricted for their use. So they couldn't use some of those main characters as much because they were getting put into like the Dark Knight series. And so they they, they were having less or other uh, other properties. And so they had to pull in some of these lesser known characters. But by that time you're invested in the justice league period. And so it's like, okay, you bring in like the question, um, you bring in awesome. He's yeah. awesome in this series. Booster gold, booster gold, Dr. Fate, a lot of other stuff that you had no idea, but like that's what's also was fun with a lot of the X-Men and uh, Spider-Man stuff is, you know, later on you get, you keep getting these other people and that's what brought us to comics or you get in, in, uh, interested in the comics is like, wow, there's these whole other worlds, whole other characters um, that is particularly fun and interesting. So the cast Batman voiced by Kevin Conroy, the greatest Batman that there ever is or ever will oh. be. <laughs> yes. Uh, Superman was voiced by George Newbern. Um, he's been in shows like Scandal, a bunch of other stuff. Tim Daly, who did the voice of Superman in the Superman animated show, was originally involved, but he had some conflicts schedule wise. So that's why uh, Newbern ended up taking over the role from him. Phil uh, Green Lantern was voiced by Phil Lamar, who is one of the all time great voice actors. He is probably a top definitely a top 20 voice actor of all time, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, the Flash was voiced by Michael Rosenbaum. People would recognize him as Lex Luthor in Smallville. So he's in multiple yep. DC properties. And he was hilarious. 
in this show. Oh my gosh, he's <laughs> unbelievable. He's so yeah. good. They're all so good. These are like when we talk about comics and we talk about the voice mm-hmm. in your head when you're reading it on the page. Yeah. This show is how I dictate what's going on in my head as yeah. far as as far as when I'm reading DC stuff. It's yep. it's funny you say that because I was having this discussion with someone the other day about uh, like when I read Wolverine, whose voice do I hear? And someone else had said that they hear uh, Hugh Jackman's voice, Jackman. and I was like, I don't. I hear Cal Dodd's voice, who did the yes. animated series. Yeah, you're right. Like that's who I hear because he yes. looks like you know he lo- they they made him look like the comic accurate Wolverine. So in my head, that's yeah. who I got to hear. Yep. Uh, Hot Girl was voiced by Maria Canals Barrera. She's been in a whole bunch of Wizards of Waverly Place. I don't know if that's a show either of y'all watched. Probably not, (laughs) among other things. Uh, Martian Manhunter was voiced by Carl Lumby, uh, who was in Cagney and Lacey. Um, Mantis, which was kind of like a made-for-TV movie and then show that they had. And then um, Wonder Woman was voiced by Susan Eisenberg, who has tons of Wonder Woman credits. She's basically been voicing Wonder Woman for quite a while mm-hmm. and then there's so many of these voices and i just i this is a comic this is a cartoon show and it has a bunch of characters as i already mentioned you know that you bring on one-off villains or a couple off villains and then also um new characters here and there i just have to name all of these names but there's still so many fucking names that i not even mentioning but mark hamill clancy brown kevin michael richardson dennis Haysbert, michael pena uh keith david michael ironside Stephen Root, Brian Doyle Murray, John Rhys Davis, Brad Garrett, Michael Dorn, Rob Paulson, Michael Jai White, D. Bradley Baker, and Tom Kenny, amongst many others. Like of those people that I even mentioned, like the Kevin Michael Richardson, Dennis Haysbert, Keith David, Michael Ironside, Clancy Brown, John Rhys David, the, they picked every person who has a low voice, like a great <laughs> low voice, and said, You're going to be doing somebody in the DC universe. Ron, Ron Perlman. Oh, also. yes. Yeah, Ron Perlman. Yeah. Yep. They're, they're so, and like, that's what I love about the show too is they've got they got some great some great voices to come in and just do s- these random like side villains and they'd be gone for 20 episodes and then they'd pop back up. Yeah. Clancy Brown as Lex Luthor, that's what I hear in my head. Yep. He and, is awesome. And I think a lot of them did do those same voices because I think Ron Perlman also did the voice of Clayface in the Batman animated show and then yes, it's reprised. It so it's so they kept that continuity of similar voices. You know, you're right. Lex Luthor, Clancy Brown's Lex Luthor is great. I did notice, John, and we haven't talked about him in like months. There was no Frank Welker in in any of these. I was surprised because there's so many other great actors. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I do want to mention the theme song.
I, I listened to both the theme song for the yeah exactly. Marcus is kind of <laughs> wavering his hand, and that's it. It was mediocre, kind of a, a generic heroic theme, but nothing catchy, nothing I cared about. No, I thought the unlimited one was better, just because I felt like it was like, hey, we're gonna well, this is gonna be a superhero show. The the yeah. Justice League one, the original, that one put me to sleep. I skipped that <laughs> intro every time. I'm like, no yes, thanks. it's. <laughs> Pretty boring, just kind of like kind of almost classic sounding to it. They added like this heavy rock guitar for Unlimited, so it kind of made it a little bit little bit more interesting. One thing that I so what what how many episodes did y'all listen to? Let's uh, Marcus first, then John, or not listen to? Did y'all watch? I watched probably too many, <laughs> but I've also watched this show enough that I can recall a lot of this. Um, yeah. I probably watched like seven or eight of my okay. like favorites, my favorite cool. favorites. But yeah, I can kind of recall a bunch. <laughs> yeah, um, I watched about five or six episodes, but I only watched the first series i didn't watch anything from unlimited and actually hearing you talk about it now i am actually kind of excited to go look because yeah, you, you it, like some of those uh, obscure characters like you've kind of gotten into more yeah. of that kind of stuff yeah, yeah. the question in the series yeah. and he's like exclusively in unlimited he has some awesome stuff okay because yeah. i love the question so that would yeah. be uh, yes fun to do because i i'll be honest i did actually have a hard time going back and wa- i should say watching this i've never seen it yeah, I, uh, I forgot. I realized I didn't forgot to ask that about that. Like, so, John, what is your nostalgic value? For this I, I, show? None, because none. I was in college when this came out. So I was past that point where I was really I was not watching like new TV shows really at all. I'm not sure. I don't think I had cable probably where I lived. Um, I'm not sure I had a TV where I lived, depending on where it yeah. was. Yeah. So the, this one was definitely past my cartoon watching okay. phase. And this is to me, this this was a show that um, it wasn't like a weekly, you know, scheduled viewing, but I watched it pretty consistently. Um, this 2001 and 2004 for that first run was right when I was in high school. Uh, and so like that was a very, you know, nerdy time for me, you know, getting into comics and stuff like that. So I was uh, absolutely a fan of this show um, and I had watched every episode of Batman, the animated series, every episode of Superman, the animated series. And so this continuation was one that um, I was a big fan of. And it again, like like a lot of other people, it introduced me to a larger world out there. And one that you had previously mentioned, Marcus, was when a lot of people hear the character of Green Lantern, they will think of Kyle Rayner or they'll think of, um, oh my God, the-, the Hal Jordan. Hal Jordan, thank you. <laughs> um, but we didn't get either of those. We got a, a, a somewhat lesser known- and I think that was incredibly important for the show. Uh, tell us about why John Stewart, not the Daily Show guy, uh, was important for um, being a part of this 
um, I said it before, it's representation. It was exciting to see a black hero because there just wasn't a lot of that. Like you had Black Panther, but look how long it took for that to become like a a known thing. What we're talking like 2015, 2016, when he finally Mm -hmm. uh, appeared and then he finally got his own movie. But it's just seeing a a hero and seeing it on the screen and and going i could be that and something to cuz you know everybody wants to be batman but let's <laughs> be honest every time you've seen batman he's a white guy yeah. and i can only imagine the fan freak out if they were to cast a black guy as batman just, i don't even want to L- get into listen, it listen if they came out and said that michael b jordan was going to be batman yes! i hell yeah i i'd be throwing money I, people freaked out that he was Johnny Storm, yeah. and they should have freaked out because that that to me is the worst comic book movie of all time. Yeah. It's not close. It's <laughs> not close. I, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I didn't Ooh. bother watching because I was not interested. Don't do it. Don't I, you I, ever. Don't it's you on ever. my it's on my queue actually for Netflix because I want to drink heavily and watch it. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's the only way it can be tolerable. Anyways, I just loved seeing it and Phil Lamar, like you said, mm-hmm. the the gravitas and the and the like he's a no nonsense, you know, former marine that type of character, but he does like his his uh, friendship with the Flash in this show is like one of the highlights to me and then his romance with Hawkgirl is an overarching theme especially in the first season that it's surprisingly good and and just I enjoyed seeing it. So please, DC, give us Jon Stewart. We don't need to see Hal Jordan. We don't we don't need to see Kyle Rayner. We don't need to see fucking Guy Gardner. Give us Jon <laughs> Guy Gardner us would be Stewart. I mean he's a, he'd be a fun one off. He'd be a good cameo. That's it. So alleg- allegedly DC uh, or I mean HBO Max was gonna do uh Green Lantern show initially when they launched they said they were going to announce it and it was going to be like Lethal Weapon and it was going to be Hal Jordan and Jon Stewart and I said yes absolutely I'll watch that and then nothing since then so fingers crossed that so I actually want to chime in on this because Green Lantern uh, has never been a character I cared for I find him incredibly boring and overpowered and almost as overpowered as Superman but I did enjoy the John Stewart character in this show. And they, I looked it up and they said that they chose John Stewart for a couple reasons. One was representation. They needed to vary it up and rightfully so. But two was out of all the green lanterns, he was kind of one of the most abrasive and that was going to cause drama and drama is good for a TV show. And I'm glad they did it. And you know what, if they came out with a live action green lantern with John Stewart, I would be more interested in seeing it. Absolutely. I still have not seen the Ryan Reynolds movie, and I don't think I ever will at this yeah, point. Yeah, you no don't reason. need to. No. I mean, I like Ryan Reynolds, so I watched it. Yeah. Right. And he's enjoyable to watch, but yeah, the movie. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Mark Strong <laughs> as Sinestro was actually pretty solid. I yeah, that, that was yeah, that was but a good casting. Because because the movie went nowhere, it's not it's not a good movie. We know that, but it's not a terrible movie. But because it went absolutely nowhere, it, it's just not it's not worth putting your money into it anymore. No. In my opinion. No, because we get Sinestro what in the cut scene at the end. Yeah, like <laughs> you don't actually see him be Sinestro. Yeah, yeah, he, exactly. One thing, uh, well, I guess I I watched uh, three episodes of I watched the first episode and then one kind of in the middle of the regular Justice League run, and then I watched one from uh, Unlimited. This is this is a fun show, and one thing that I definitely need to mention is that I kind of saw I I liked how they set up their 
different stories in the regular Justice League over Unlimited because it actually kind of reminded me of the X-Men animated series where every single episode in the first was part of a either two or three parter. And so mm -hmm. you got these arcs that went through multiple episodes, much like how comic books have like a two, three, four book arc, and then they'll move on to their next story. In uh, Unlimited, they kind of did like one-offs a, a lot more, and so I didn't feel as invested in what they were doing, or even like the villains were kind of just quicker one-off people. Now, still enjoyable because you're getting like these interesting characters that you've never seen before, but I actually, I really did like that, um, and I like the way that that storytelling is done when it comes to um, animated shows or just comic book shows from from comic books into TV. I think it makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, I agree. It's it allows you to when you're trying to cram everything into 23 minutes it's cool to see a bunch of characters but it's so cool when you get a two to three story arc like um one I'll point out is wild cards where it's basically a batman the animated series episode with you know the justice league thrown in there because it's the joker introducing the royal flush gang yeah and that's an awesome two parter cuz you get hamill and he's obviously unbelievable but then you know like like he's got cameras set all up all over vegas and he's just commenting on stuff as it happens so the justice league lands and he's talking about how great batman looks in the black and then he goes and here's the fashion duds and he's ripping <laughs> superman's costume and the flash and it's and you get all of that for two whole episodes it's just so much fun it's i love the way they did that yep you had mentioned that the the art style is very similar across all of the shows, and it is. But also, I got to call out, I think that animation style really holds up. You know, it's been 20 years, but I see that and I'm like, damn, that still looks good. And it's something that I am happy to watch. Yeah. And, and especially when you're animating somebody like The Flash, mm -hmm. I think that holds up because that's always interesting because he's moving at super speed. But yeah, the animation's awesome. It's consistent. It's it holds up. You never feel like you're oh, this is so old. It's just feels timeless. Yeah. So that's all I had on this show. Uh, any Marcus, do you have anything else you want to chime in with for sure? I guess I would. I'll I'll give some recommendations on places to go because like yeah. I just feel like everybody should kind of check out. Because you can, like you said, because of the way they, they do the show and they're two-parters, you can just pick an arc that you like. Or if mm. you're like, ooh, I like a character. So let's see. Uh, the Enemy Below is our introduce, introduction to Aquaman. And it's how Aquaman should be, which is a badass. He's basically the king of Atlantis, and he's yeah. tired of – he basically wrecks That's a submarine. A hook hand, doesn't he, yeah. in this one? Oh, yeah. He, yeah. Uh, Aquaman in this show – to save his son from Ocean Master, Orm, his brother, he cuts off his own hand. And they, like, show him <laughs> ripping, like, about to chop his hand off, and then they cut away. So, but anyways, he, he comes out of the ocean and just marches into the UN to basically say, stop dumping in the oceans or we're going to storm the beaches and kill everyone, basically. <laughs> um, which is awesome. I mentioned Wild Cards. Hereafter is a good one, uh, which is a pseudo-death of Superman type uh deal a lot different because he gets sent to another world um tabula rasa is a good one because you get introduced to amazo the uh robot that can yeah. copy the powers of and that's an awesome two-parter and then you get some good lex luthor twilight is a good one you get dark side you get brainiac you get ron perlman as orion and you get to see superman like in a brutal fashion like in this episode 
he basically takes the gloves off and is like, I'm going to finish this. And he even beats the shit out of Batman at one point because he's like, I'm finishing this with Darkseid. It's it's awesome. Uh, Starcrossed is uh, a three-parter, and it's the end of season one. You get Hawk Girl and the Hawk Men, basically. It's great. And then in Unlimited, kid stuff. You get to see the Justice League as kids. It's awesome. <laughs> so good. <laughs> and that's where I love Green Lantern the most because... Obviously, Green Lantern's power is that he's got his ring and he can imagine anything. And the kid can't decide because he's just so excited. He's like, ooh, I could do a sword or a gun or I could do, you know, I could. It's so funny. And he's got glasses. It's hilarious. <laughs> the Once in Future thing is a two-parter. You get to see Static Shock uh, and a bunch of future. Um, it's set in the Batman Beyond. Divided We Fall is a two-parter. Now, Divided We Fall, The Flash is my favorite. Um, I got a Flash poster in here somewhere. In it, Lex Luthor merges with Brainiac. It's kind of the finale or lead up to the finale of, I think, season one of Unlimited. And you get to see the Flash actually unleash because they basically, you know, hint throughout the series that the Flash could be powerful if he wasn't such a dipshit, basically. (laughs) They're like, they're like, if he were smarter, he could actually do some serious damage. And Lex Luthor basically beats the Justice League and Flash runs away. He thinks he runs away. And anyways, you get to see him kind of unleash his full power. And it's it's an awesome, awesome arc. But anyways, that's enough for me because yeah. I can talk about this for well, three more minutes. But a lot of good, I, yeah. I love that show. There's so much good stuff. You guys should all check it out if you enjoy that. Yeah. Uh, all right, John, uh, what were your thoughts on kind of being introduced to Justice League uh, in all? Uh, my initial impressions was that it was okay. Um, I didn't have any problems with the art style or the animation. thought it was fine. I thought the voice acting was spot on. My one issue, and I did not get into Unlimited, and maybe this changes, but every episode, every freaking episode I watched was like in space. Every single damn one. And after a while, I was like, okay, I'm kind of sick of being in space. So, and maybe it was just, it maybe just happened to be that of the ones I watched, they were always in space. Now, granted, like I watched the first three episodes because after I first watched the first one, I was like, okay, now I have to see where it ends. And it kept going and going because they were doing a multiple, multiple episode arc. But that was my only problem. Yeah, it, it's a, it, it definitely depends on what story you go to. It's not all okay. in space, but it's definitely a lot of it just because they have the watchtower. They right. can. And you get suicidal Batman in this a lot. Because he's basically – Batman in this show is basically pissed off that he's just surrounded by powered beings and he's not. And mm-hmm. he jumps at every chance to prove himself. And a lot of that involves basically near self-sacrifice and it's <laughs> awesome. He's Kevin Conroy is so good. Mm-hmm. And in this show, I think he's even better. It's it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Cool. Yep. Uh, I'm going to keep my stuff uh, short and sweet and I'm going to let Marcus have like the final word. But – I very much enjoyed rewatching this, and I absolutely see myself potentially, very likely, going back and doing it from start to finish. I recommend everybody do that. Watch this show, especially if you enjoyed Batman the Animated Series. Um, I don't think you need to enjoy like Superman the Animated Series, which I didn't love, because I don't love Superman. And a funny, quick little thing, they actually kind of depowered him a lot in the first season, and they talked about that, because... They kind of made him a weenie <laughs> in a way. And he's fucking Superman. Like, you get it. Like, he's the guy. It, it's just a great – there are great story arcs. And like I said, if you like the question, Justice League Unlimited has a bunch of question stuff. And one of my favorite things is he's getting tortured and he says uh, 
he just starts spouting off random facts because the guy he won't give up any information. And he says, you know, aglet or you know, the and the tips of shoelaces are called aglets. <laughs> just, it just makes me laugh every time I think about it. But anyways, it's it's a good show. If you enjoy DC, watch it because there's some really good shit in there. Well, hard to agree. And let's uh, move on to a totally different property to cast the losers. This episode of the Blast from Our Past podcast is not brought to you by... Total teamwork, total tech, total justice. Now Batman joins forces with heroes like the Flash and Green Lantern. Powered by new fractal tech gear to make their superpowers grow stronger than ever. So when the massive dark side tightens his evil grip, this breakthrough body armor strengthens Green Lantern with an extra blast of blazing firepower. Whips the Flash beyond the speed of light and gives Batman the power to face Earth's darkest hour. Now, justice is stronger than ever. Total teamwork, total tech, total justice. Figures he's still separate. All right, now we're going to do the casting portion of the show. As I mentioned at the top, we are going to be casting The Losers, which was a Vertigo property. Now, there was actually already a movie that came out in 2010, which I'd never seen, never heard of, but when I went back and looked, holy shit, does that movie have a stellar cast? Yeah, a cast that has honestly only gotten better when you look at it a decade later. <laughs> yes. It was good then. It's probably, it was a good cast then. It's a great cast looking at it from 2021. Yeah, and a bunch of people who would go on to be in uh, other comic book properties. And even like this was, you know, this was even post Iron Man. So some mm-hmm. of these guys like... Chris Evans was in this, and then a year later would come back as Captain America. Mm-hmm. So between this and what it was a Scott Pilgrim and Fantastic yeah. Four, man, the, the dude was swimming in comic book movies. He was. <laughs> yes, yes, he was. Um, so we are just going to kind of recast our uh, for ourselves, and we're going to be doing the losers themselves. Uh, the characters are Lieutenant Colonel Franklin Clay, Captain William Ro- Roke. Is Roke, Roke? Yeah. Okay. Captain Jake Jensen, Sergeant Carlos Cougar Alvarez, Sergeant Linwood Pooch Portis. I like Pooch. It's funny. And Aisha Al-Fadil. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Yeah. Yeah, you said it it right. Okay. Uh, So, Marcus, if you would, we'll go through the list and we'll go we'll go in reverse order of that. Oh, no, no. no. We have our own order that we wrote down. Do you want to do it that way? So sure. we'll do Clay, Aisha, Jensen, Roke, Cougar, Pooch. We'll do that in reverse order of that. So sorry, we'll start with Pooch. Um, if you could just, could you give us just a brief, quick overview of what the character is? So we'll start with Pooch. Uh, yeah, Pooch is kind of the transportation kind of, uh, I don't know how you would say it, like a like the tech, not the tech guy, but kind of the... The mechanic? Mechanic, maybe? yeah ish type character definitely comic relief he's like a dad and like a he just is he kind of like the mad dog murdoch yeah not as not as ridiculous he's not the personality but he is um that 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 typeset yeah my favorite my favorite line in the movie is when he makes that rocket to shoot off the tracking device and he says Look at that. That's a rocket. I'm I'm the black MacGyver. I'm MacGyver. Uh, MacGyver, yeah. (laughs) So I I watched this movie um in prep for this one 
And just because I was like, I don't know anything about these characters. I will say, because I don't think, John, you did watch the movie. I did not. I don't think, honestly, I don't think you need to. Because pretty much they're just pick badasses and you're good to go. Because every one of them is like, is a badass. And they're all, they have their own kind of funny quirks or other stuff. But it's a fun movie. So to to kind of bring it up here, Marcus, why are we casting the losers? Like, is this something that... You know, is it, was it, was it a comic property that you loved? Was it the movie that you loved? What? It was the movie initially. I just saw it and I saw the cast and I was like, oh, I could should probably watch this. And I really enjoyed it. And I really thought it was worthy of maybe making more, but they just obviously never did. But I just think it's a super enjoyable movie. It's a quick watch. It's it's yeah, 93 minutes. Yeah, it's just fast paced. It's it moves quickly. Like I said, it's the cast is great. The, there's some great lines. It's just a it's a fun movie and I thoroughly enjoyed it and it made me go back and and dive into the comics a little bit, which I thought was the comic was decent, but I just really thoroughly enjoyed the movie and that's why I decided we should uh, cast this. Cool. All right. Well, let's go ahead and start. Adam, I would like you to start us off with your pooch. Yeah. Um I stuck pretty much to everybody as they were. Mostly, I will say there's one that I'll have a noticeable difference, but mainly it's because they already did a good job of diversity in this group. So I didn't feel the need to shift too many things. I will say there's one difference that I kind of made. But Pooch, I went with an actor who honestly I just I want to see more of. I most well know him from a musical, but he is good for I think anything he could do. Even in that musical, I can see him being menacing, can see him being funny, and I think he's a good kind of side-ish character. Um, I most know him from Hamilton, but he's also been in Red Tails, a bunch of other stuff. I picked Leslie Odom Jr., who plays Aaron Burr. The guy, is a, he was awesome in Hamilton, and so it's like, I just want to see that guy do more shit. If we can give a, get him a musical number, I'm all, I'm all for <laughs> dude, that. Yeah, that exactly. dude rips. Yeah, he does. It's, it's kind of funny. You watch Hamilton, and you're just like... Oh my God, this cast is amazing. And then there's Lin Manuel Miranda, who is not that great of a singer, but a great writer. But he surrounded himself with perfect singers. You got to do. Yeah. Uh, I'll go ahead and jump in. I I did look at some of the photos of the comic book, but largely I went off of the description of the character that I was reading kind of in like the Wikipedia page. Cause they did a pretty good job of just describing what the character was. This one was kind of the one change that I made from the rest of them. Cause it seemed like this character out of all of them probably was going to be the least important. Of course I didn't watch the movie, so I don't really know how, yeah. how well it worked out. Yeah. That's it. But what, I yeah, went him, with the guy or like the, yeah. the two least yeah. personality, which, which is weird to me because on paper Cougar seems like the guy I would latch on to. I mean, he's, Strong silent type. Yeah, very <laughs> strong silent type. I mean, he is the ultimately like he's the fucking hero of the movie. At the end, it's just like Jeffrey Dean Morgan stands there, Cougar does all the work. It's just like, damn. <laughs> yeah. I did watch I did watch one scene, one clip on YouTube, and it was the scene where I can't want to say Steve Rogers. Um, oh, oh, Jensen, when he's going through the building, he's going guns. through the building and then he, he, he does the finger guns. Yeah, yes. that's a good scene. That was a I'm going to blow up your brain with my mind. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I did make one quick change with Pooch, and I went with uh, the actor John Cho. Okay. I like that. Yeah. Um, I think right. he's a pretty funny guy. This seemed like it would yeah. be, even though it's a superhero-based thing, that it, there would probably be some comedy Tons. involved. Tons of comedy. Yes. And so uh, he's, I think he's a good guy for that. So that's who I went with. 
Cool. All right, Marcus. Yeah, I I did I same with Adam. I kind of there's enough diversity. I did I I think we may have made the same change possibly, but we'll see. I made one change, but other than that, it's a diverse group already. So I kind of stuck with everybody where they're at. So for my pooch, another guy who I just want to see more of. Now you're gonna have to dial him back a little bit, I think, to kind of play up the fact that he is a part of a military unit. So he's a little bit more of a badass. But I absolutely love this guy. Um, a lot of people would know him from New Girl or, uh, God, what's the other one he was in? I don't remember. Anyways, I went with Damon Wayans Jr. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yep. I, I, he did a one-off uh, episode in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I, I've used Damon Wayans Jr. before. That guy is awesome. He's so yep. good. I think yep, he'd yep, be yep. a great pooch. Oh, Let's Be Cops was the movie that he was in. I forget about that one. <laughs> yeah. Johnson, yeah. Yep. No, that's good. Good call. I think it's a very, he has a lot of the comedy aspects to him. Um, and that makes a lot of sense. Yep. All right. Well, let's move on to Cougar. Adam, who did you pick? Yeah. Uh, Cougar, strong, silent type. He is the sniper of the group. He has a cool kind of cowboy hat that he wears the entire time, too. Don't fuck with the hat, I think was the line he said or something like that. <laughs> yeah. And he's um, like the ladies' man of the group, too. Like, yeah. even more so. Like, everybody in that cast is handsome, but like, yeah, exactly. He was They're like all pulling two chicks and stuff. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, he's. It's funny. I stuck with a Hispanic actor. I went with a guy I've used before who I think can be utterly just awesome and badass and he doesn't have to speak all that much. He was okay in Terminator Dark Fate as the Terminator guy, uh, but I really, really liked him as Robbie Reyes in a uh, Marvel Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. He played the Ghost Rider. I went with Gabriel Luna. I think he's fucking awesome. Oh, that's oh, a yeah. good one. Oh, man. Give me that Ghost Rider in a TV show. Yes. <laughs> I feel like they were supposed to do that and then they never did. And it's yes. just like that's the that's the Ghost Rider we want right now. Oh, my God. It's oh, that'd be so good. Anyway. <laughs> uh, cool. All right. I'll go ahead and move on to mine. I went with uh, an actor that uh, has done uh, a couple of big things. He's been in uh, Godzilla, King of the Monsters. He was in The Star is Born. Oddly enough, Adam, I also pulled from Hamilton. Uh, I went with the guy who played Philip Hamilton, the son. I went with Anthony Ramos. He is someone I want to see more around. Yeah, because his his characters were kind of interesting in Hamilton, particularly when he played like the kid. But he can like do a lot of stuff. I do like him. Mm -hmm. I, yeah, that's a good call. Plus, he's a good looking guy. And yeah. the, that character seemed like a good looking guy. I was like, oh, well, that, yeah. that would be a good fit. Yeah. All right, that. Marcus. All right. I went with somebody who already did the strong silent type thing in a comic book movie because I don't think he said uh, I don't think he had a line maybe in uh, X-Men First Class. But I went with Alex Gonzalez, who played Riptide in X-Men First Class, and he's just a handsome ass uh, Hispanic oh, yeah. dude. And I was like, hey, that dude can 100 percent just, you know, be that that strong, silent sniper type mm -hmm. so yeah. i chose alex gonzalez he you know what a, I, yeah handsome go, handsome hispanic man yeah i think i actually did look at him when i was looking at the uh, other ones his name came up yeah you're you're right totally good looking yeah. dude i could totally see that i completely forgot about him in first class probably because he doesn't right? say a damn word. yeah <laughs> just like all, out of nowhere it's just like oh hey there he is there's riptide uh -huh. <laughs> yeah dude cool. his little tornadoes all right uh let's go to roke Marcus, who is Roke? So Roke is uh, kind of the second in command. He's very abrasive. He's very no-nonsense. He basically resents uh, for the movie uh, that Clay has gotten them in this situation 
he blames it on him solely. Mm. So he's definitely like the outsider of this group, badass, bit, you know, a, a strong character, yep. but definitely somebody who is just very aggressive and uh, kind of no no nonsense. All right. Uh, so, Adam, who did you go with for exactly those reasons? Marcus said kind of big. He can be. Um, yeah. Intimidating. Also a good looking dude. Idris Elba is a good looking man. Yes, he is. Um, but yeah, there's a there's a good switch at the end. You know, spoiler alert. He ends up becoming one of the villains of the movie. But I went with uh, another guy who, again, I want to see more of. He's done comic book properties to before, and I hope it's not the last that we've seen him as Luke Cage. I love Mike Coulter and I want to see him more. So I p- picked him as my rogue. Oh, yeah. Mike I'm, uh, Coulter. Oh, he was Luke Cage. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I'm not mad about that at all. Yep. Tell me Luke Coulter's in something. I'm there. Yep. 100. I picked probably an unlikely pick. As far as I know, is not really known for doing action movies. Uh, he has, however, been tapped to play a major villain in an upcoming Marvel property. He's going to be playing Kang the Com- Conqueror. And I loved him in Lovecraft Country. I went with Jonathan Majors. Yeah. Yep. I'm excited to see him as Kang as well. I agree. Yep. Yep. I'm cool with this. Yeah. I like that one. Adam, have you watched Lovecraft Country yet? Not yet. There's just too much, too much shit. I have, I'm moving. I'm in the middle of moving and packing yeah, up and getting yes, the house but ready. This, this shit's been going on for months now. Yeah. <laughs> or years in some cases. Yeah. <laughs> so no, I, I know I need to, I still haven't watched Watchmen. I still haven't I watched oh, a lot of other stuff. Come on, dude. Yeah, I know. I know. There is so much stuff going on. Yeah. There's just so much stuff that just ends up going by the wayside because it's just yeah. so much content. Yep. All right. My Roke, I pull, I had two names in my, that popped immediately in my head and they were both, they both have experience in, in, you know, the comic book franchise and both of them were in the same movie uh, in Black Panther. I think the easy one that I ended up going away from was Winston Duke. Uh, yeah. Mbaku. Yeah, God, he's so good as Mbaku. Oh, God, he's unbelievable. And I thought that was a little on the nose because he is just a massive human being. (laughs) But somebody who I love, love, love as an actor in Black Panther in, oh, God, why can't I think of it? Um, Get Out. Um, I went with Daniel Kaluuya, and he was just in uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. He got a lot bigger than he was for Get Out in Black Panther, and I think he can do it. And he just has that kind of smooth... Dry wit about him, so I think he'd be a good rogue. So I went Daniel Kaluuya. Cool. Yeah, yeah. I'm all for that. Very down. Uh, all right, Jensen. Who is Jensen? <laughs> Jensen is your tech guy, comedy mm-hmm. relief for sure. Like a dorky, and it and like that's to me what makes Chris Evans great is that dude is handsome as shit. But <laughs> you buy him in that movie being just like a dorky like annoying kind of everybody's like always like dude shut up like that kind of uh (laughs) (laughs) guy he's just and then of course you brought up the scene the the it's to me it's probably the thing that people would remember from this movie is him getting chased through this building and he's got cougar on the opposite rooftop with a sniper and he sees it and then he tells the guys he's gonna kill him with his mind and all that (laughs) so funny so good i went with kind of a left field pick i think when uh Adam and I initially talked, we got on talking about Titans, and I don't know if you guys have watched Titans. I have. But uh, I went with Ryan Potter, who is Beast Boy, in Okay, Titans. 
I'm for that. Yeah, because he's very kind of, and I think he plays up the dorkiness. Because, like I said, it's kind of mm-hmm. hard to cover that up with <laughs> Chris Evans because he's just so charming. But uh, I think Ryan Potter is the perfect kind of like geeky, and he can be a little bit badass because he's done some of that, and he's a very funny guy. I I really enjoy him in that show. So I went with Ryan Potter. Cool, Adam. Who'd you go with? Um, I flipped the script a little bit on uh, my Jensen. Now, I didn't lean into the comedy, which I probably should have. I kind of leaned into someone who has done some comic book stuff before. Um, and you do still see some some badass fight scenes from from Jensen in the film. But I do think this actress is is good enough. I've seen other shit with her where she's actually she's typically more like the strong silent type in in the two other comic properties that I've seen. But as an actress, I'd expect her to do other stuff. And I kind of wanted to get, um, I think, for the calm kind of tech person, I thought it could make sense to, one, switch it up, get some more females in here, and also change a little bit of even get some extra diversity. So I want somebody who has done – actually, yeah, two, I think both of them are DC properties. Uh, one is Suicide Squad and the other is The Boys. Um, her name is Karen Fukuhara. Uh, she played um, Katana in Suicide Squad and mm-hmm. uh, Kimiko in – uh, the boys. So she's typically she is like the fighter in both of yeah. those things. But I think she could definitely play tech and comms and they make. And then when she has to do the fight scenes, she's already could would nail it. Cool. And then I think it's even funnier having like her tiny little girl doing her little pistol, you know, fake hands. And that would work pretty well. <laughs> she is so great in the boys. Oh, my yeah. goodness. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. I basically just went for a wonder one. I, I saw that uh, Chris Evans was there. And I was like, all right, who's another handsome actor I know who's really funny? I just fucking put Ryan Reynolds in there. <laughs> he yeah. he could do it. He yeah. could do it 100%. Yeah, no, he's I know he's a little bit older, but it doesn't matter, I don't think. No. no. All right, let's move on to Aisha. And Marcus, if you would tell us who Aisha is. Uh, she's the girl that I never had, and I want to get to know her better. <laughs> oh, my God, Zoe Saldana. Oh, my God. Oh, you better. Oh, yeah. I, I actually listened to uh, your, your guys' New Jack Swing episode with Ben Young. Shout out to Ben Young. Yeah. And uh, I did love Another Bad Creation in Aisha. So anyways, okay. had to get that out of my system. Okay. Um, so with my Aisha, um, it kind of struck me. <laughs> I It's such a nitpicky thing. But in the show, she's this drug lord's daughter. Or I mean in the movie, she's this drug lord's daughter. And... It just never connected with me, Zoe Zaldana being Latina or whatever. She's I yeah, she's didn't, Dominican. Her Dominican, her, yeah. Uh, yeah, something. It was it didn't quite connect for me, so I went I went more into the Hispanic part of the character. She is a badass, and it's uh, in the movie she has a a crazy fight scene with uh, Clay in a hotel room, which is mm. pretty awesome. Yeah, and. Uh, yeah, she's just uh, and and she ends up being an ally, but it starts off that she's basically trying to kill Clay, and then they eventually uh, help each other out. So and they, and, and they bang too. It's good stuff. And they bang, and they do bang, <laughs> and and Roke when they come out of the trailer together, and he's like, "Oh, terrific! Yeah, <laughs> this is awesome." <laughs> All right, Adam. Oh wait, did you do? You, who was the person that you picked? Oh, I, I didn't. He just asked me to. Oh, 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 sorry, sorry, I, sorry. I realized I realized that I ran I ran that into my pick last time. I didn't. I didn't <laughs> okay. want to disrupt the flow. <laughs> well, that's all right. Uh, well, because you set it up like, oh, I, I went more into the Hispanic, and then I thought you were oh, going to. Yeah. Sorry. Here, I'll just throw it in right now. Sure. So what I went with is 
somebody who is on another DC show that I love that I recommended that Adam watch or he had already. She plays. Um, oh, gosh. How, how come I can't remember the character now? Oh, Crazy Jane in Doom Patrol. I went with Diane Guerrero. She is so good in that show. She plays a character who has multiple personalities and every one of her personalities has a different power. And she is so good. So, so good in that show. She doesn't do a ton of action in that show because they kind of manifest her powers in a different way, but I'm sure she could. Mm -hmm. Um, And she's gorgeous. So, uh, yeah, my pick for Aisha is Diane Guerrero. Cool. Uh, I think it's fucking hilarious that you went that route because I've been trying to find Diane Guerrero a spot so many different ways. And then I was like, you know what? Another DC property. I love her in Doom Patrol. I actually just finished it yesterday, yeah. uh, the second season. And I also picked Diane Guerrero as my Aisha. That is Let's fucking go. awesome. Yes. God, she's awesome. She's she's something I've been trying to find like something for her because you see how versatile she is in Doom Patrol. But the thing is, John and I don't do, typically do the recastings of like dramatic movies all that often. Yeah. So yeah. I haven't been able to find a spot for us like well, you know what she can be badass and i just want to get her in here and so that's awesome i think it's that's like hilarious that you picked her as well Perfect. i was i was pleasantly surprised to see how well she did in doom patrol because i thought she was funny in uh orange mm-hmm. is the new black but her yeah. character was very kind of one note and and yes. iffy and it was good to see her be able to range out um i unfortunately did not uh go no. with her would have been cool. Um, but I went with uh, another actress who's making a, a making the rounds a lot and has been doing a bunch of stuff and was in a Marvel, well, Fox Marvel film uh, as Domino. I went with Zazie Beetz. Oh, yeah. I Yeah. Hunter, she's so good. Yeah. And uh, DC, I mean, she's in The Joker as well. Still oh, haven't yeah. seen it. Yeah. Okay. Really? really? No, <laughs> I'm, and I'm not going to watch it out of spite. Really? Because, <laughs> yeah, because I kind of have a, 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 a theory on that movie that i i, I don't doesn't okay. sit well with me okay okay are you gonna be against like the batman when it comes out are no i'll gonna... go see that okay my I think, Pat, I think pattinson's gonna crush that so shit. I, yeah um i've always i was always kind of uneasy about that movie and actually the guys over at dr dc kind of eloquated it better i think they said it kind of how i sh- sh- am thinking it they saw it and i haven't but it always seemed to me like it was a movie that maybe Todd Phillips had that was not the Joker that they just slapped the Joker on. I could a hundred percent see that to yeah. make, just to make the money on it. And to me that it seems very disingenuous. And so because of that, I won't see it, but and anyway, we'll move on from there. Okay. Okay. Uh, all right. Our lead guy, Franklin clay. Tell us who this guy is, Marcus. He's the leader. He's the rugged kind of, he's salt and pepper uh, hair kind of guy like good yeah dude. yes exactly and he's like kind of the the center for everyone everyone has their own personality and they're all and he kind of wrangles it all in and keeps them focused to a fault at one point because rogue points out multiple times during the movie like we're not in the military anymore like we're out and you're acting like we're in the military he's like you know so he's just kind of that lifer in the military mm-hmm. rugged no nonsense I got, I got very big um, Hannibal from A Team vibes uh, yes. from him because you know you know the whole kind of even like the cigar or love it when a plan comes together that kind of uh, leader. Yes. Cool. So. Well, Adam, why don't you start us off for this one? Sure. We'll let uh, Marcus have last last word on this one. I did not do much of a stretch for Clay. Um, Jeffrey Dean Morgan did a very good job um, as Clay, and I kind of kept another guy who is a good looking 
salt and pepper kind of guy now. I liked him. He was a kind of a he was a villain in Baby Driver, but he's great looking guy, good actor. I could see him leading this team. I went with John Hamm. Yeah. Okay. That's a good one. Yeah. I also went with John Hamm. Hey. hey. I mean, if you're going on like a one to one look from yeah, Jeff- exactly. Jefferson Morgan, John Hamm's a the next step. Yeah. Plus, I I haven't seen Baby Driver yet, but I I was thinking actually the other day, I was like, you know, I haven't seen John Hamm in any kind of big action type mm. flick it would be fun to see him do something like this yeah he he it, it is so interesting that he did mad men and then he just does like all these like kind of one-off like weird stuff like the unbreakable kimmy schmidt and yeah. just like these weird little... do some stuff on 30 he did stuff on 30 rock or other yeah, shit. Like, just, like, like little what? random stuff and i'm like Dude. Yeah. yeah uh all right marcus take us home all right Clay, yeah, it was easy. I, I John Hamm was definitely on the list. I didn't take him, so we don't have a unanimous one. But Chris Pratt was another one that I think you could age him up a little bit. Um, and on the younger side, I did take. I did think about Army Hammer possibly, but I went with another guy who's a veteran of uh, comic book stuff. If you want to talk salt and pepper, rugged, um, I went with Joe Manangiello. Oh yeah, okay. Uh, but- Potentially our death stroke if that ever happens. Oh, gosh, I wish, but probably not. <laughs> let's be one good let's thing to come out of that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. I absolutely yeah. could see that. I'd like to see him in, in a more leadership ish yeah. type role anyway. Yeah. So that yeah. seems really good. Yeah, and and shout out to uh, Jason Patrick because his villain in this movie, he has so many good lo- deadpan, yes. just dry humor lines. Mm-hmm. Like when he throws the dude off the, he has his buddy throw the guy off the roof and he goes, what the hell was that, Wade? That was at most a punch him in the face nod. Yeah. Looked like a throw him off the roof nod. <laughs> no, what are you doing? <laughs> like just shit yeah. like that. He was, he was very funny in that movie. I agree. Well, awesome. That is our uh, pick for a Losers recasting. Before we go, Marcus, remind everyone where they can find you on the interwebs. On the internet machine. You can follow us if you love trivia, if you listen to Throwback Trivia Takedown, which is a fantastic show, and you're like, hey, I like that, but I want more sports. Follow the Benchwarmers Trivia Podcasts on all socials uh, at Benchwarmers TP. Um, we put out episodes two times a week. We got plenty of stuff, so we'd love to have you guys if that's something you're interested in. And if you want to follow me personally, it's double K07 on all socials. So thank you guys for having me. This was a blast. Um, I will come on anytime you guys need <laughs> to talk about something. Uh, so yeah, thank you. All right, and that was our recasting of a Losers movie. Please join us next time as we are joined by one of Marcus's co-hosts on Benchwarmers and his definite man crush, Scott Grimes, who also hosts the BFOP Network show, People Don't Forget, as we count down our top 10 90s one-hit wonders. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com. And if you want to suggest a movie or TV show from your childhood or to be a guest on the podcast, go over to patreon.com backslash blastpastcast and pick a tier that works for you. To find us on social media, search for at blastpastcast. So until next time, I'm John. And I'm Adam. And thanks for joining us. See you next time.
Hey everybody, I'm Corey. And I'm Zach. And we're the hosts of Podcasting After Dark, a cast dedicated to late-night horror and sci-fi of the 80s and 90s, often found on HBO and Cinemax. You know, the movies your parents didn't want you watching as a kid. You can find us every other week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher. This is what you want. This is what you get.